Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines now open for the next hour until uh, about 1.15, we We'll bring on Lucas Favalli, the play-by-play man for the Syracuse Crunch. We'll talk some hockey, obviously, with Lucas in an hour from now. But uh, phone lines are open if you want to talk some basketball. It's great having Craig Forth on. I, f- I found it surprising that... Uh, he didn't know that Syracuse lost to Indiana in New Orleans back in, yeah. in 1987. That was, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, that, that was interesting because, uh, you know, obviously not at the time. I was nine years old. But, you know, like once once you kind of learn like the history of, of SU basketball as, as I did growing up and then you, you watch that again, it's like, oh, the defender got there that time. Like, oh, they, they reached they reached the shooter and, and made it more difficult. Um, You know, that was my reaction when I saw that. Like, it's, oh, that's that's ironic that it was at the same place. You know, same spot on the court. You know, and and if not for the the camera angle being flipped, right. or you know the the sides going the opposite way, it's literally the same shot. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I thought him saying, you know, everybody was kind of loose and and relaxed, and and they really were playing with that. You know, that we've got nothing to lose mentality. I mean, you're in the title game. Like I I would think that even though you're the underdog, like you would still tighten up a little bit. But it, it seems like that team was. Uh, you know, kind of. I, I don't know. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but uh, feeling good about themselves going into that game. That's the way the story goes. By the way, that Jim Beheim was, you know, appeared nervous before the game, and Mello said, "Coach, don't worry. Like, we got you. We're going to win this for you." <laughs> I, I wonder if that, like, that really happened. Like, if Mello well, was if just, it, if it didn't, it did now, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's one of those that, like, even if it didn't really happen that way, like now it did. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way the story goes. Um, in any event, I'm trying to think of another example of that, and I, I, I there's not one coming on, you know, the top of my head where you know maybe it didn't really happen that way, but like the myth or the legend, right? But it's but like it's become legend sit, now. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's become truth. Yeah. So the 15th anniversary uh, of the national title over the weekend. It's good uh, catching up with uh, with Craig Forth. Sounds like he's doing really well for himself out there uh, in Albany. Three kids, principal of a junior high school. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, uh, great catching up uh, with uh, with Craig Forth. As we were saying prior to the break, O'Shea Brissett coming back next year, not all that surprising, but again, for this fan base that over the course of the last few years, it seems like they've dealt with like one bombshell after, the, uh, after another, and listen, w- we all assumed Torian Thompson was coming back this, you know, this past year, and he, he leaves right before the season started. Um you know, we all assumed that the roster that started the year that included Geno Thorpe would stay intact throughout the season. We all assumed that Darius Baisley, who was committed and going to play in the McDonald's All-American game, we assumed that that game was a you know a, a, a sneak showcase. peek at, at what he was going to be in a Syracuse uniform, and then that changed. So, um, yes, while it's expected, I think it's it's one thing that this fan base can you know, finally breathe a sigh of relief about that. And again, could he change his mind? Obviously, but I, it, it seems like he's coming back and it seems like, you know, from, from the first moment after the, the loss to Duke, it seemed like he was coming back all along. Yeah. I mean, do you want to throw quite a green into that? Yeah, right. into that there's an, I mean, there's the list goes um, on and on. I just gave lot. you a few. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, only over the last two years, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, but I, I think that it felt like he was coming back from the jump and and from when you were were in the locker room after that loss uh, to Duke, it felt like he was coming back the entire time. Um, and to that point, I, I think it's refreshing that he is coming back, right? And that 
you know, something that you thought was going to happen is actually happening. You know, uh, maybe even, you know, go back to Malachi. Oh, didn't think he was going to go for the draft, and then the tournament happens. Oh, maybe we didn't think Tyler Lydon was a, a two-and-done type player, and oh, there there he goes. Uh, you know, you think that O'Shea Brissett's going to come back for year two, even though he had a great freshman year, um, and he did. And, and I think that's got to be a, a refreshing uh, change of pace in a way for this fan base. And, and I would say this. Obviously, Syracuse is a better team with Tyus Battle on it than not. But with Brissett coming back, even if Battle does leave, and again, I fully expect him to at least test the waters, and if he decides to leave, like you have depth at the guard position. You don't at the forward position. So right. now you've got Brissett and Merrick, and you've got your two big guys, and you've got a, a lot of guards with, with Kerry and Howard and Buddy Bayheim and Elijah Hughes. It was very important to get O'Shea back because he's That's one my of point. two. That's right. my point. You know, if it, as to your point, if Tyus leaves, okay, you know, it's a loss of a great player. It's a loss of a, you know, I, I would imagine preseason All-ACC player uh, and somebody who's probably going to go You know out my feeling on that. Should have been a first-team well, All-ACC yes, this yes, past year. But, I, but yes. I would imagine that going into next year, he would be preseason first or right back where he is at second, you know, going into next year. Uh, you know, it would be a loss for sure, but you've got, as you said, the guys to make up that, you know, difference. Uh, if O'Shea didn't come back, you don't have somebody there, right? You you've got Matt Moyer. Uh, you've got you don't have Matt Moyer. You lost him already. You have you have Marek Dolezal. Um, you would have to slide Buddy Beheim into the forward position, or Elijah Hughes, or Tyus if he were to come back. You would have to slide somebody out of position to then go play the three, and and it would probably be an awkward fit. Yeah. So I I think that again, it's not that Brissett is more important to this team than Tyus per se, but you can survive if if Tyus leaves because you have some depth. And again, it's it's kind of expected. Like before the season even started, I think everyone just assumed that Tyus was playing one more year and he right. was leaving. And he had a really good year. And Is that why they that could be why they stockpiled guards? Yeah, you you planned for that to happen. And they I think picked that, up Elijah Hughes and Jalen Carey and Buddy in the time you know since last season ended. And what's the the most glaring weakness of this team, at least going into last year, was three-point shooting and now you've added again buddy Beheim knockdown shooter you know that he elijah hughes again shooter. he could shoot from the outside so i think it was a combination of those things you figure ties is probably leaving plus you know what do we need we need some three-point shooting so you go out and you find some three-point shooting now one of the three-point shooters happened to be the the coach's son so <laughs> that worked out in their favor but yeah they have depth at the guard position and again again now with Brissett coming back you've got your starting forwards in place you know who you're going to have in the middle with uh, with Barama and Pascal Chuku, and you've got your two centers, and you've got depth at guard. And you would much prefer Ty's come back than, than not come back if you're an SU fan. But if he leaves, you live with it. You can stomach it a lot more than you could if O'Shea were to leave. 315-437-7644. Uh, Pat in Syracuse wants to chime in on some SU basketball. Hey, Pat. Man, I love the lunch drive through express lane here. This is great. Yeah. Great well, to be. It's that great. time of year. I mean, come come right on. If you got something to say, come right on. All right, super. So, um, you know, with, with the Tyus Battle thing, I've been thinking a lot about Battle. And, you know, every year, of course, SU fans, it's it's a double-edged sword. If they go to the NBA and they grow the brand, like, you know, obviously Dion did for a bit, Michael Carter-Williams getting Rookie of the Year, you know, we were we were able to tell recruits, hey, guys, every year we're putting in a first-rounder. So, to me, that is where I'll kind of write the final song for Tyus. If Tyus leaves and he makes the first round, 
I understand it, and it is what it is. It stinks, but it is what it is. He got us to the Sweet 16, obviously not single-handedly, but he did, and God bless you. Whereas Tyler Ennis couldn't beat Dayton, and I'm sorry, he, he left. He got a decent position and a decent contract, and he's still in the NBA. But for me, he didn't take care of business, and as an SU fan only, and not as an overall Tyler Ennis fan, I was disappointed because of the way he left, just because he lost to Dayton. So for me, with Battle, if he's a second rounder and he leaves, to me, look at Buddy Heal. Okay, he was a junior. He was a first round lock. What did he do, guys? Came back. He came back and he was a top six pick. Yep. What's wrong with that? And Buddy Heal is was older than uh, Battle because he was a junior and he came back for a senior year. And what did Oklahoma do? Yeah, they went to the Final Four, had a great year. Granted, they, they got blown out by Villanova, but that's not the point. The, the point is, as, as a fan, you want him to back. Now, my last point about this whole, whole thing is this. The only thing I'll say with um, battle leaving is from all reports from anybody who was connected to the practice situation, Hughes was even with battle all year in practice, that he was elevating battle's game and, and vice versa. So that's a good sign. And from what I'm understanding, Jalen Carey, he, you know, he's, he's a combo guard. He can handle it a little better than Tyus. Because Frank's in the lineup either way. So it's basically, do you go a little smaller with carry or do you have battle? Because to me, either way, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I think no matter what, Frank, as long as he's with the program next year, which obviously he should be, um, he's starting. Yes. And then it really comes down to battle or carry unless they put battle at the three if he comes back. But hopefully, you know what, the best case scenario I, I, I could see is that he doesn't even try to go to the draft which I would be shocked if he did. I mean, would you guys be stunned yes. if, if, if he just didn't put his name? And I would yeah. be stunned. I think they've changed be- the rules to help the players, and I think that you know, Tyus is a, a perfect example of why they institute this rule, right? It's a guy who seems like a borderline first or second round pick. He goes to the, the combine or has some workouts, gets some yeah. information back, he's evaluated, and he makes a, a better informed decision. And and so yeah. I think I think this rule is, I mean, it's... It's it's designed for a guy like Tyus Battle in mind. Yeah, can can I also just say one thing about Baisley? Look, he is a he was a phenomenal talent. There's no debating that, and there's no way that I'm going to try to spin it that they're better off without him. But honestly, with what they have, with the roles that, they, that they're going to have, especially if Tyus stays, but with with Brissett being a featured player, you need guys that are just going to play that role. And I, I you can't name me another player in the country that would play a better role player than, than Dolce. He knows the system. He knows the zone. He plays defense. He does all of the little things. And who would have been losing the minutes if Baisley was in the lineup? It would have been Dolce. So I'm fine with Dolce, or, or with Dolce in there and Baisley not, and I'm glad Baisley got dunked on, and I'm not rooting for Baisley. And if that makes me a, a worse fan, so be it. He, he got the shortcut out, and I think these kids need to learn their lesson that, you know what, there is no shortcut out. You do the legwork, you go to school, and then you earn your spot. Thanks, guys, for the time. All right, appreciate checking in, Pat. A lot to get to there. Let's take a timeout. We can talk about Pat's phone call, plus phone lines remain open. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to check in, just getting back to, to Pat's phone call, touched on a few things there that, that I want to get back to. Uh, yes, I think Frank Howard is starting no matter what. Uh, I said that at the end of the season, and I realized they have a lot of depth at guard. You want your 
senior point guard to be the starting point guard on the team. Frank is starting next year. I think regardless of what combination of players are back. In regards yeah. to Tyus. Yeah, I know we've talked about this a little bit, and I, and I waver on it a little bit. Um, I think he's going to start. Don't it, get me it's, wrong. It's a no-brainer. I think he's going to start, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, I pointed out before, if Tyus comes back, maybe at some point during the season it gets a little bit more shaky because there are just so many guards. Uh, but I think he's going to start. Almost regardless. Just yeah. take the word think out of the sentence. He is the starting point guard. Just trust me on this. Trust me. He is He's the starting, the starting point, guard. point guard at, for me, at the very least, at the beginning of the year. I don't. I said this at the beginning of this past season. I said if, and there was some debate about Frank. I was and, with you at the beginning right, of this season. And what did I say? I said if Frank is not the starting point guard at the end of the season, this team has issues. I will say that going into no, next year. I don't think so. Yes. He is the starting point. He, he is your senior. He is your leader. He is the starting point guard for the whole season. And okay. if he is not the starting point guard by the end of the season, that means that there was like an issue during like that means he did not play well. And if he did not play if he does not play well and he loses his starting job, that is not a good sign for this team. So, he will be the starting point guard every game next season that obviously, you know, he's healthy and He's healthy and yeah. right. He okay. he is the starting point guard. Um and they're going to win a lot of games, I think. Okay. I think I think they're going to win a lot of games. And he, he's got to be the starting point guard. And if he's not, that means they're not winning a lot of games because he's not playing well. So they need him to, to play well and to, to man that position, and he will. Fair? Yeah. No, that's fine. Okay. So, I, I've said this before. I, I still look at him as somebody who would be better served playing off the ball. But I don't know who I don't know who the guy to replace him is. So I think he'll start at point guard. <sighs> My blood pressure is rising, Seth. <laughs> He's got to star- get under your skin every once in a while. He is the starting point guard uh, on this team. Uh, in regards to Tyus, he said, you know, Pat said I would be shocked if if he if he doesn't at least test the waters. I would be shocked as well. And and what I said to Pat is is how I how I, I feel about this. Like the the rule was put in place for guys like Tyus Battle in mind, guys that are not surefire lottery picks that have the talent. You know that they're a next level player at some point. And they go, and they get some feedback to determine whether or not now is the right time. Now, one thing we didn't bring up with Pat that we have touched on before, next year's draft does not look as loaded at the moment as this year's draft. Absolutely. So that is something that that Tyus Battle and his family will will have to take into account. Now, with that being said, it feels like every year leading up to the draft, more and more guys declare, and then, you know, it... There's a lot of competition, obviously. There's only 60 picks. But that's something he's going to have to take into account. The next year's draft at this point doesn't look quite as loaded as this year's draft. I would be shocked if Tyus Battle didn't at least go through the motions and, and get the feedback and get the evaluation to make a better informed decision. Yeah, look, I, I think that for him it's a no-lose situation. You declare, it, you get invited to the Combine, great. Go see what they say. Or... You don't get invited to the combine. You know they don't think you're one of the top sixty players. You come back, right? Like I, this, this seems or to top be a, thirty players generally. Like if you're not in sure. the top thirty, if right. you're not going to go no, in the first but, round but my for a guy like be, Tyus, you probably come back. But my point being, if you're not even invited to the combine, then it makes sense, you know, to, to come back. Um, so yeah, I, I think that for him, it makes sense to test the waters. The thing that would shock me, the thing that would just absolutely shock me is if we are sitting here in two weeks on April 23rd, and there just was, like, never an announcement either way, right? Like, they just quietly let the deadline pass, and we never hear anything either way. And it's like, oh, he didn't 
He didn't announce he declared. I guess he's coming back, right? Like, like that's what would surprise me. I would think at some point over the next two weeks, we find out something. Yes. Like, either, like, I, I think we'll find something out over the next two weeks either way. Well, here, no, Tyus is coming back. Yes, Tyus is declaring. No, he's not hiring an agent. Or yes, he's hiring an agent. He's out of here. If we hear over the course of the next two weeks that Tyus is coming back, I would be shocked. I think I think we're going to hear that he's going to test the waters. And again, I'm not saying he won't come back eventually. But yes, I would be shocked. I would be very surprised if he didn't at least get the evaluation and the feedback. Yeah. So yeah, if, if the decision is made in the next two weeks and the decision is he's definitely coming back next year, that would surprise me. You? Yeah, I think okay. so. All right. You just said if we didn't hear anything, that would surprise you. Well, that would, you wouldn't be that as would... surprised if you heard he was coming back. I would be equally surprised yeah. if we heard no, he's just, coming back I just as to I... if we didn't hear anything no, and he just missed the deadline. My, my point being, I think that if we if he's coming, if he just announces he's coming back, like he'll announce it, right? Like, well, we'll hear this. Like, I don't, I don't think we're just going to reach the deadline and he's going to be like, oh, well, he never said anything, so like he's still on the team. Yeah, I would assume that we'll hear something one way or the other, but if... If what we hear is not, you know, test the waters, then you'd be surprised. I would be surprised. I and and I would also be surprised if he just hired an agent without well, you know, yeah. getting the feedback. So my assumption is that he will not hire an agent and and go through the motions and get the feedback and the evaluation and then make the decision after that. That is yeah. my assumption. I would think the same. All right, last point that uh, well, yeah, the Tyler a- the Tyler Ennis thing. Let me get to that. Uh, let's relitigate what happened four years ago because uh, Tyler Ennis had to leave Syracuse. Like, let's not sugarcoat this, right? Tyler Ennis had to leave Syracuse because his stock was never, ever, ever, ever going to be higher. He was not getting any better by staying another year. He was not accomplishing any more by staying another year. He had to leave Syracuse. He was not going to be a higher draft pick. He was not going to be a better player. He had to leave. And you know what? Over the first four years of his career, he's he's made six and a half million dollars. He dropped twenty two points light. He's shown a, a a good. He's shown to be a pretty good player coming off the bench for the Lakers this year, and might be setting himself up, you know, nicely for a future. He he's got a spot in the league. Uh, he he had to leave. He had to leave. He was not getting any better. He went 18th overall. He was not. A, he was not a freak athlete who was raw and uncut and had to be polished. That's not what he was. He was already here. He was polished. He was a good finished product for the most part. There, there wasn't anything else that you were doing at the college level to make him better. We've talked about this before about going. You know, so much about the should you stay or should you go depends on you know the timing and you know to your point you said is is your stock ever going to be higher Johnny Flynn was never going to go higher than 6th he went at exactly the right time Deion Waiters was never going to be higher than 4th i think a lot of people were shocked that he was 4th as it yep. was he went at the right time i would say Michael Carter Williams if he came back another year was he going to go any higher i don't think Malachi so Malachi Richardson went when his stock was the highest i, I think Tyler Lydon if he went when his stock was the highest would have gone after the final 4 the point is with with Tyler Ennis in particular. Again, I, do I think he would have been a lottery pick ever? No, I don't. You know, even if he had stayed another two years, uh, do I? He went at, at the right time. What was this from skill, a stock perspective? Like, like if you argue that Tyler Ennis shouldn't have gone, and we're now relitigating four year old drafts, but what was the skill that you look at and say, you know what, that's what had to get better? Good, good handle, good decision maker, decent shot. And when people say like, what does he do exceptionally well? The first thing that comes about, at least for me, let me see if it's the same thing for you. What is what's at the top of your list as to why you would want Tyler Ennis on your team? He just felt like a steady hand. 
Yeah, well, I would say right. He's his his IQ. Like yeah. he's just he's a smart yeah. point guard. And again, by coming back, that's not necessarily going to get better. So that skill or that you know that quality that he has, his best quality, in my opinion, that wasn't necessarily going to get better. I mean, that was he he was. He was a smart player, steady hand, as you put it, solid player. And of, of course, he get you know you, you get better shooting the basketball and running the pick and roll and all that. You could get better in college or in the pros, you know, doing that on a regular basis. But his best skill wasn't going to get any better. So I don't have any problem with Ty, uh, Tyler Ennis going when he did. I think he went at exactly the right time. Last thing, real quickly, that that Pat brought up, I want to get back to was was Baisley, and and you know, Pat even said you're you're going to miss a, a talent like that. He would have provided depth at that position that you just you don't have now. And even if it was Brissett and Baisley, and, and Pat was right, by the way, Dolajai would have been the one most affected by Baisley being on the roster in terms of minutes. Would it have been the worst thing in the world, though, if Brissett and Baisley were your starting forwards and, and Dolajai no. came off? Or, you know, maybe Baisley comes off the bench again. I, I don't know. You or would have had to small. see how well he transitioned. But... You know, would have that been the worst thing in the world, or maybe Dolajai gets minutes by playing the five here and there. It would have been a good problem to have. It would have been great, problem and you would to have, have, you would have yeah. much preferred. And, and again, Pat wasn't suggesting that the team's better without Baisley, but you would have had, you know, some depth at that position and some options in your front court. And right now, you don't have a whole heck of a lot in the way of options. You got Percent and Dolajai, and then you've got your two your two centers. Yeah, so, I mean, we we talked about this last segment, right? They they just don't have the depth, and and I think. Uh, aside from he was a top 10 recruit and a great talent, that's the most important thing about Darius Baisley is that he would have offered depth. And it gives you some options. And right, right. now you don't have a, a ton of options. Could you slide one of your bigger guards down to the forward and then move Delajai into the middle? and, and go? But again, you would be going small and you would be giving up having one of your, exactly. your shot blockers in the game with, with Barama or Pascal. In any event, we got to take our final time out here in hour number one. Quick break. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Hit a home run. So do I think that they sit him down any... Now, if it's a scheduled day off, you give him the scheduled day off. But no, I don't think you take him out of the lineup and no. say, oh, he's, he's struggling. He's, he's a home run. He's a you know, feast or famine type of hitter. Yep. And you leave him out there and you hope that he gets hot. So, no, I don't think you panic. I mean, it's, you know, what, a week and a half into the season right now? You don't panic at all. You let him work out the kinks and it's, you know, it's early on. The weather's cold. Let him warm up. And he, said it, a couple, he said a couple fly balls and a lot of players yeah. on the Yankees have fly balls that in warmer weather sure. would be home runs. Yeah. So I, I'm not that concerned. He'll get on track. And, yes, he's going to continue to strike out a lot, but he's got a lot of home runs. He'll go on a he'll go on like a, a three week. I was just going to say hits, where he hits like where he hits 15, like 15 home, runs. home runs. So I'm I'm not concerned. All right, Steve, I got one more for you, and I'm directing this to you because you're the golf fan, and I know Seth, you got your fair dose of it yesterday with the Masters, and I'm proud of you for actually oh, tuning in. But I saw this on Twitter, and it kind of intrigued me that someone was saying it would be interesting to uh, show like the money value of each shot. So like. And the, the winnings that they would get if they win the Masters, like live on TV. So if Patrick Reed's making that putt yesterday, it says this putt is worth $1.9 million okay. for the Masters. Does that intrigue you at all? No. No? I don't think these guys play for the money. If you're if you're at that level, they're all making a lot of money. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, can you imagine? Like, put yourself in that, in that guy's shoes. You're putting for essentially $2 million in a green jacket. All right. So for those of us who play a lot, and I don't even play a lot. I mean, I just I don't have time to play a lot. But we all know what it feels like to stand over a putt, even if there's like five dollars on the line, right? Like, if there's if there's something on the line, like you feel the pressure. Um, 
these guys play for for more than money. This is in and yes, I mean, I guess it's it's interesting to like see how much they would make or this putt is worth X amount of dollars. Yeah. Like, it's interesting, I guess, to the viewers to some degree. But if you think that that's putting any more pressure on, oh on no, these guys, I was just talking about from a viewership perspective, like um, eh. not from the perspective of a pro where it's like you're watching. You know, and they're all making a lot of money. Uh, to me, yeah, that I I don't really care that doesn't about appeal that. Appeal to me. Um, no. no, they're they're. If you're at that level, you're you're playing for major titles, and you're yeah. playing for green jackets, and you know Ricky Fowler's going after his first, and obviously Patrick Reed going after his first yesterday, and you know Tiger, you know if he's ever in contention again, it's all about it's all about winning majors, um, and you know and, and and winning tournaments. So no, I I don't care about what they're making. They're all making a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed you didn't bring up Shohei Otani. Remember last week you asked if it was sustainable, I we, Steve? It was like yeah. beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> is it though? Because we were just like, eh, like he'll I be an okay is. hitter. I think like, it is. <laughs> yes. He's, no, uh, he actually, I have That him, was incredible. I have him on my ESPN fantasy league. And, and, and in ESPN you're allowed to put him at both, yeah, right? So you can it's put one him guy? at both. And I got the ticker update yesterday where it was like, oh, he's got a perfect yeah. game through six innings with ten strikeouts. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's pretty sustainable. I like thought back to the conversation we had. Talking about weird stats, he has more home runs hitting than Aaron Judge, more strikeouts pitching than Max Scherzer. Oh, and he's the first player since 1919 to hit three home runs and have two wins. Okay, and not, not to... Not to rain on his parade, and I realize it's been It's exciting. the first two wins in the more than a week. Well, right, and... It, professional hitters make adjustments, and they're yep. seeing this guy literally for the first time. So, I mean, his splitter is nasty. Four months from now, let's see if it's the same. And I'm not saying it won't be, but before we get too excited about him, it's a long season. It is. It's a long long season. season. And professional hitters, even professional hitters who haven't seen him, but then they get some tape on him and they can, you know, scout him and what he does. Let's see if he can sustain it. Put yourself in his shoes. What a weight lifted off his chest. I mean, he's he's been amazing. I mean, we were sitting here two weeks ago, and I was asking he you guys if, he, if he's going to start off in the major leagues, and now he's he's been amazing. Been amazing. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman Santamore CPAs, located in downtown Syracuse. Grossman Santamore CPAs provide businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman Santamore CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacbas.com. One final timeout. We'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.